today on Ag News Daily. IowaFarmBureau.com, we provided an opportunity for anyone to uh, join a conversation about what they can do to help one another. And we've seen instances where county farm bureaus, of course, have served meals. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ashton Carr on the podcast today with Delaney Howell. Delaney, how is your Thursday going? Ashton, it is going fantastic because today is my last day of this work week. Tomorrow we head to Yellowstone. So I'm super excited to get out on vacation. Um, You know, we picked a destination that was, I guess, somewhat socially distant. You know, we're not going to a big city. We're going hiking and good stuff, but I'm excited to just get out of the state because it has been, I don't even know, I mean, months since we've really anything or left. And I know you're not supposed to, or you're supposed to take extreme cautions and practice caution, but I'm excited to leave. I don't blame you at all. I actually have my parents coming up to visit me this weekend. So I'm very excited about that. We're going to our first socially distant concert this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. It's outdoors. They have everything sectioned off. So you can't sit with more than six to eight people. Have to bring your own lawn chair. But I'm super excited to actually be able to do something. Absolutely. That will be awesome. So hopefully everybody has a fantastic holiday weekend. We've got one more podcast tomorrow, but then we're off on Monday. So we hope everybody has a good weekend with this extended weekend. Hopefully you're doing something fun and getting out there and trying to get life back to normal. Absolutely. But before we get to the weekend. Of course, we have that podcast tomorrow, but I wanted to go ahead and talk about some news for today. And it looks like Taiwan is easing restrictions on U.S. pork and beef. Though it's not official yet, Taiwan has indicated that they will soon lift restrictions on imported pork and beef from the U.S. And hopefully this will lead to a free trade agreement between the U.S. and Taiwan. The National Pork Producers Council said that they have been working for almost 15 years to break non-tariff barriers against U.S. pork exports set by Taiwan. The country has had restricted imports of U.S. pork since 2006 and has had a ban on U.S. pork produced with ractopamine. And I had to look up what ractopamine was, but it was, or is, excuse me, a feed additive used for leanness and to increase feed conversion efficiency. And it was noted in the article that I read from Brownfield Ag News that the use of ractopamine in the U.S. hog industry is not widespread and is considered safe and acceptable for use. But aside from pork, Taiwan is lifting its ban on U.S. beef. The ban was a part of a block in imports where BSE, or mad cow disease, cases had been reported in the past 10 years, and that ban has been in place since 2003. So good news in terms of U.S. exports and for pork and beef producers. Yeah, absolutely. And I was reading an article kind of about this as well that was suggesting perhaps this would open the door to further trade negotiations with Taiwan, including other agricultural goods, maybe some manufactured goods. So this could be a good win for U.S. agriculture. And we certainly need it right now with all that's going on in the world. But speaking of what's going on in the world, China continues to ramp up their corn and soybean purchases and have been here over the past couple of weeks. But we've also seen that USDA and other groups have forecasted, you know, just how much is China buying and 
how far does that go in making good on their phase one trade deal? We saw the latest calculations by the USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service showed that for the first seven months of the year, China imported about $1.15 billion worth of U.S. ag goods, but that pace needs to be much, much higher if they're anticipated to buy $36.5 billion worth of ag products promised. So $1.15 billion out of the $36.5 billion is definitely not on pace. But we also know that quite a few purchases are being set for the 2021 marketing year. And so American Farm Bureau Federation Chief Economist John Newton said he thinks that figure is going to be closer by the end of the year to about $31 billion, which still is a little lower than that 36 and a half number we're looking for for 2020 purchases, but definitely a lot closer and on target with what we are anticipating China to buy phase one trade deal. So seems we will still continue to see China moving forward and buying U.S. agricultural goods. And, uh, you know, as a follow up to that, I think a lot of folks in the media, on Twitter and elsewhere are, are having this discussion as the presidential election looms just about two months away. And so, you know, a lot of folks in rural America have been very big President Trump supporters and wanted, Farm Journal Media specifically, wanted to figure out, or excuse me, Farm Futures wanted to figure out, do folks in rural America still plan to support and vote for President Trump, even with the COVID trade deals, trade tensions, all of that stuff. So we saw that 75% of producers polled in July said they still supported President Trump's re-elections compared to 60% in 2018 and 66% in 2019. So folks are definitely leaning more towards supporting President Trump as of recent times. And we will see an interesting election, I'm sure, as we always do this uh, November, but it does appear that folks in rural America are largely supportive of the president. Yeah, Delaney, from, from what I've heard and the folks that I've talked to that are in rural America or in the agriculture industry seem to share their support for President Trump being reelected, especially some some readings. And I talked to one individual who was at President Trump's visit down here in the Permian Basin last month, and they were in support of his support, basically, for the agriculture industry, the oil industry. But we will continue to keep an eye on that. As you said, the election is just here in about two short months but other than that, I have some news coming from the East China Sea. A cattle ship capsized due to Typhoon Maysak in the East China Sea, and it was carrying a cargo of nearly 6,000 head of cattle, and it capsized, I believe, on Wednesday as that typhoon tore through the East China Sea, and it hit landfall in South Korea, so damages are, of course, expected in that part of the world. And the ship was traveling from New Zealand to the port of Jingtang in China. The ship was also carrying the crew made up of 43 people, 39 being from the Philippines, two from New Zealand, and two from Australia. And as of today, only one crew member has been found so far. There was a distress call put out by the ship as it lost an engine right before being hit by a wave and thus capsizing. Three vessels, four airplanes, and two divers were taking part in that search for those individuals. 
And the Coast Guard has said that bodies of some of those cattle on board have been recovered. So definitely a loss to to China and to you know those individuals that haven't been rescued so far. So I will continue to keep an eye on that and continue to see what this loss of almost 6,000 head of cattle does to the markets. Yeah, I mean, geez, you know, you look at the grand scheme of things, that's not a huge number, but that's just an awful, awful way for a ship to go down. And oof, thinking about those people today, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I'll continue to keep an eye on on how this is affecting the, the cattle market in China, because I was reading a little bit up on it, but as of now, there's really not much that we can say until, you know, those... I don't know if they're going to ship more cattle out there or or what'll happen, but I definitely want to keep an eye on that story. Absolutely. And the other story we're keeping an eye on today into tomorrow is what Secretary Purdue has to say during his visit to Iowa today. We will be sharing some comments from his trip tomorrow, as well as what he had to say when he was boots on the ground here in the state, but already has been pushed, it sounds like, regarding the RFS during his visit so far. So we'll be playing comments from that tomorrow. But until then, we are talking today with the Iowa Farm Bureau President, Craig Hill. But before we get to that, Ashton, what do you say? Should we take a look at today's markets? Yeah, Delaney, I'm ready. All right, I am ready as well. And taking a look at the screen today, we definitely saw grains start to pull back from some of their recent strength. Corn continues to pull back as the September contract closed lower five and three quarters cents today to end at 344, while the December shed five cents to close at 353 and three quarters. Soybeans did follow through after gains earlier this week as the September contract put on a half a cent to close at 963. The November up four and three quarters cent to close at 966 and three quarters. Wheat pulled back today as the September contract lost four and three quarters cents to close at 543 flat. The December down five cents today to close at 5.53 and a quarter. In the livestock pits, red continues as the October live cattle contract shed 55 cents to close at 103.92. The December closed 62.5 cents lower to close at 107.82 and a half. In the feeder cattle pits, the September contract down $1.10 to close at 137.60. The October shed $1.12 to end at 138.32 and a half. Lean hogs continuing to see strength today as the October contract closed just below $60 at $59.25. The December ending the day $1.47.5 higher to close at $57.97.5. And, and rounding out our markets with the Class 3 dairy milk futures. September contract added $0.23 cents today to close at $16.86. The August excuse me, the October, down six cents to close at 1896. Without further ado, let's kick it off to our conversation with Iowa Farm Bureau President Craig Hill. Well, as we continue to assess the damage that was done after that derecho storm stormed through Iowa, we've got on the podcast today, very excited to welcome the president of Iowa Farm Bureau, and that is Craig Hill. Craig, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Delaney. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Craig, you work very closely with farmers. You farm yourself. Tell us about some of the comments, concerns, questions you've had from farmers as we're in this rebuilding process now. 
Well, certainly. And it's been several weeks now since August 10th, but we are still assessing the damage and, of course, uh, the repairs and and the uh, adjustments from the insurance companies and so on will go on for months. And, you know, these uh, these buildings and grain bins and homes, many of them, it'll take more than a year to get uh, the, uh, the needs uh, needs met and everything uh, repaired back to where it was once before. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a slow rebuilding process. That's for sure. But you touched on insurance companies there. And I wanted to ask, have you talked to a lot of farmers about their process for going through claims and working with adjusters? I've heard some horror stories from farmers and was just wondering what you had heard. Well, we're hearing a mixed uh, review of, of stories and experiences with insurance companies. The property casualty insurance adjusters, you know, swarmed immediately into the state. Uh, some companies were quicker to respond than others. And those adjusters uh, were torn at one point in time because we had hurricane events in the southern states. So many of the independent adjusters had to flee to uh, work on the hurricane uh Peril that was uh, in the southern states. But um, in Iowa, uh, we had thousands, literally thousands of crop insurance adjusters and thousands of property casualty adjusters swarming the state. And, and you know, the, the crop piece probably was better to wait a bit of time before we uh, really made the adjustments because crop uh, progress was uh, in a stage where we weren't quite mature. And so some of these crops will further deteriorate once they're laid on the ground. Uh, and so those adjustments will need to be made later. But with the property and casualty, uh, grain bins, buildings, uh, silos, hog uh, buildings, uh, confinement facilities, roofs, um, all of that needed a quick uh, uh, repair. And so uh, many of those uh, adjustments have been made. Could you just provide us an overview of this new program that the Farm Bureau released, the Farming Community Disaster Exchange online message board? Tell us about that. So iowafarmbureau.com, we provided an opportunity for anyone to uh, join a conversation about what they can do to help one another. And we've seen instances where county farm bureaus, of course, have served meals and provided housing for utility um, companies and other workers that were repairing our damaged power lines. But um, just anyone can join the effort if they would like. And uh, of course, you know, going without power with 500,000 homes in Iowa, uh, without power, there was a lot of immediate needs. Uh, today, uh, it's more still the cleanup and um, removal of trees and and folks helping with, with chainsaws and, and trucks and trailers. And uh, then, you know, the, the repairs of buildings and the cleanup of farms so we can operate. Uh, we had a lot of machinery that was damaged uh, by the collapse of buildings. And so to get our equipment ready for harvest, uh, there's a lot of uh, effort uh, underway to get that done. So uh, just a tremendous amount of work. And so, you know, for folks that want to, join in. Um, we have, uh, as an organization, contributed to the Blue Cross, or excuse me, to the Red Cross. And uh, the Red Cross has uh, been very active in helping folks here in Iowa. And so we would encourage anyone 
that wanted to donate to the Red Cross. Uh, they're doing uh, yeoman's work here in the state. And Craig, what other resources do you know of that are being put forth for farmers and ranchers and really anyone in the state of Iowa that's had damage right now? I know we've floated around or talked about, at least on the podcast, the idea that perhaps there will be some additional government aid coming and we've seen, you know, emergencies declared by the state. But what other insight do you have as far as a timeline for maybe some other resources? Certainly. And so um, uh, Secretary Purdue is in our state today. We're hopeful to see a secretary's disaster uh, declaration. We've had a presidential disaster declaration and a request of about $4 billion of assistance, but uh, those dollars have not been yet uh, announced. Uh, a few have, but uh, not near enough that we can, uh, we can uh, help rebuild um, uh, to where we need to be. So uh, we're looking for those uh, designations. The, uh, the FEMA has been here, uh, but we also have all of those insurance companies uh, providing uh, great assistance. And you know that's the first layer uh, because I think farmers in general, particularly crop and grain producers, are about 90% insured through the Federal Crop Insurance Corporation. So um, we, we have done a good job of self-insuring and taking care of our uh, insurance needs. Absolutely. Well, Craig, other than the storm that's gone through, what other issues are you focusing on with constituents here moving towards the end of 2020? Well, for a farmer that puts their hopes and dreams into a crop once a year and, uh, you know, rely on the income from that crop uh, and and with one only one crop a year to see it laid flat and destroyed as it has been, uh, it has quite an emotional impact on a producer, uh, far beyond even the economic impact. Um, we're adjusting those uh, losses today, and it's very, very difficult to appraise when a crop is completely destroyed or whether it's still harvestable. And so most of our farmers are working through that process, and then if they are required to harvest, and run machines through that, it'll make for a very difficult harvest period. Lots of long hours, a lot of frustration. Uh, machines will need to be moving really, really slow to capture every kernel of grain that they can with these down crops. Uh, and then the quality concerns. And we just can't allow uh, damaged crops to enter the food chain. And so when we have molds or, or mycotoxins or other you know, things, uh, rotten ears that have been laying on the ground, we just can't allow that to get into the food chain. So um, we're, uh, we're seeing this uh, very difficult decision-making uh, over the crop uh, going on right now. Absolutely. And Craig, for those of our listeners outside of the state of Iowa, I think a lot of them are wanting to lend a helping hand or support those farmers in the state that have been you know, hit by some of that damage or issues. Do you have any suggestions for how those farmers out of state can help with the recovery process? Well, I would just ask they go to iowafarmbureau.com and take a look at our website and, and some of the information that we have there. And uh, anything um, that they're interested in doing, they can always post on our message board and let us know. Um, 
we'd be glad to hear from from anyone across the country. Awesome. Well, Craig Hill, president of Iowa Farm Bureau, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, Delaney. Welcome to the Hot Rod Farmer Minute. I am Ray Bohax from the Idle Chatter podcast heard on the Global Ag Network. Almost every new engine today does not have a throttle cable attached to the accelerator. There is a sensor connected to the pedal and an electric motor opens and closes the throttle plate. This is called drive-by-wire. If you are not an aggressive driver, the motor that opens the throttle plate will hardly ever experience full travel making it lazy and eventually prone to premature failure. Occasionally, when it is safe and legal, accelerate with the throttle floored for a few seconds to exercise the motor and extend its service life. Just do not tell a police officer I told you to do that. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Please visit farmmachinerydigest.com for more helpful hints and technical articles where steel and soil meet. Well, it was certainly great to hear from Craig Hill and hear a little bit more about what's going on in terms of insurance and and crop damage that happened due to the derecho storm in Iowa. Absolutely. And uh, thoughts and prayers still going out to all those farmers out there. And, you know, if you're a listener of the podcast and want to get involved, there's definitely ways to do it. We will share that resource, Ashton, on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram page at Ag News Daily, looking at that online community for support. If you want to offer up your own words of positivity, thoughts for those folks impacted, you can do that on that page, which will be on our social media today. With that, Ashton, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.